0: It's the boys from the Midwest back kicking it here in the Rumpus Room, Zoom
1: edition. What I've been reading is called uh, Awareness by Anthony DeMello. And what, what quote really is getting me and really causing me to think is we don't actually fear the unknown. What we are fearing is the loss of the known. So we're afraid of fearing what we know. And there's right now a ton of that happening so we're dropping a lot of our routines we're dropping a lot of our consistency and i think what the point is and it really got me thinking is we actually don't even know what we're afraid of in the unknown so how can we be afraid of it so what we fear is that aversion for like knowing what's going on so that's something that i think is a good quote to ponder Uh, and for people to kind of think about and if you're like me you I've been taking a number of different walks and being able to kind of be outside and that's something I've been thinking about a lot so I think it's just a good takeaway uh, to think about.
0: Yeah it makes me think about um, all of the organizational change going on with one of my clients there a mobile healthcare provider providing skilled Medicare home care services and, um, you know, in-the-home medical services. So nurses, doctors, PT, OT, uh, they come to your house and deliver services, which is really great. Um, but now that folks are not wanting individuals in their home because we work with people on Medicare who are older than 65, they've really been wondering what is going to happen long-term because some people are kind of being like, nope, I don't want anyone in my home. And then some people are kind of being like, you know, great, come over. I don't want to go to the medical facilities for anything. So let's do everything remote. And um, I've not heard the catalyst mentality being really Um, advocated on any front think about it from uh, you know what you're talking about the death of a previous understanding right the death of a previous way that we viewed the world is occurring right now Um, and I've not heard a lot of the mentality within the organization or even in the, the general sort of conversation about like how is it a catalyst for new for for change how is how was this an opportunity? And I know it's really easy to sit back and sort of armchair quarterback, this stuff when it hasn't hit you from home really hard. You know, we haven't had somebody die. Um, Actually a friend of mine's dad passed. He was a very old man and I think wanted, he was on hospice and was ready to go anyways. But um, so, you know, it's not like we've had a really unfortunate event that's been close to home so it's a lot easier to be like, how do you take advantage of a shitty situation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because we're not.
1: Of what's going on? Yeah, I would agree. I think we're still probably a couple weeks out, at least where we are in the Midwest of you know, what has projected as kind of the really difficult periods where we're going to be ICUs, maybe full. I think we're doing a pretty decent job, it sounds like, of social distancing, but I think uh, it's an easy, it's, you're right, it's kind of easy to talk about how can we maybe take advantage of this when we're not experiencing all of the, uh, not terror, but all of the problems that come with really the impacts of this disease and I just don't think we're quite there yet uh, just understanding the great the gravity of it you know all we have right now are reports coming out from other places you know we we don't have that many people in the er yet we don't have we're not needing you know like new york right now there's week. Uh, these ICU beds—the like total kind of hospital that they just created because they're going to need this many ventilators. So I don't think we're quite there yet. So you're right; it's it's interesting when you when you kind of see the position we're in and how we're handling it. you know, it's I think for me, I've noticed my thinking changes every single day. The more information I learn, you know, the more I you you just have to change your assumptions and change what you think is. Is real and it's you know that's kind of why I've been focusing on this awareness piece because it's like you have to be present with what's going on and you can't assume anything and I, I you know it's really you you have to be good about taking you know it's really easy to repeat stuff you read online but there's just so much of it it's right now you have to put a pretty big filter on what information you read what information you read you know repeat. You know, one practice that has helped me, I think we talked about this last week, but I have to take mornings off reading information. Otherwise, I cannot productively start my day. You know, it's really oh, difficult yeah. to get up and read information and then, you know, work for five, six hours when you've got this head full of trauma, you know, and reading about stuff. So I think that's been difficult.
0: Yeah, I don't think I've looked at- What I check in the morning are the um, rate of transmission and whether or not we're seeing that exponential linear, exponential or linear growth, or if that growth is decreasing on a day to day um, scale, that's to me like the largest indicator of, Mm -hmm. you know, how pervasive it's going to be or whatever Um, so I look at that in the morning and then I don't look at a damn thing for the rest of the day until the evening, because just like you said, these swings are exhausting because I'm, you know, I see one video, I saw one video, I'm sure the whole world saw this video, the New York times doctor at the Queens hospital. Did you see that one?
1: I didn't watch it. I've heard about it though, from a number of people. Uh, I I couldn't uh, click on it. I just knew what was going I just had an idea of what was going to happen.
0: She's freaking out, they're running out of ventilators, all of a sudden they get five new ventilators and then she's like it's kind of funny because she just glances she goes, "Oh, you know, the ventilators are here. Great, thank God. Um, they're not being used, but we got them." <laughs> it's kind of like okay. Um you know, yeah, yeah, they're they're very much valuable to have, but also you're not using them at the same time. I'm sure they're going to use them. And then I, I read this article on Reddit that says an anesthesiologist in Canada has modified a ventilator to make it useful for nine people instead of one. And it's like, okay. Yeah. And then apparently I read another article about how a simple 3D printed part can make a ventilator go from one patient to four and it's just like yeah that got swings.
1: approved by the fda that i gotta yeah. already got approved by the fda so it's like we just quadrupled our capacity right there which is but then that t, that's ingenuity which is great but it, 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 it's yeah.
0: fantastic it's also these swings of like you know <laughs> solutions focus and then the world is fucking crumbling, and it's just so hard to it's hard to stay, like you said, in that space of like, I mean, I feel energetically depleted more than I would typically because of the amount of weight that I'm spending considering this. Mm. Like, I don't, I don't know if you felt that, but it's, it's like, you know, an extra 10, 15% of like energetic expenditure, maybe even 20 spent on this, Phenomena, which is not being directed
1: at my. um, You can use, and you know, for me, I think it's difficult to just kind of take a step back and say, "All right, you, you really need to set boundaries with yourself on what," and and what I've been finding is you know, little things like goal setting at the beginning of the day, like what am, what do I need to do? Cause that takes me away from kind of the reactiveness of reading the news. Cause it's a, yep. emo, right. You can get emotionally. And I found myself, I think a couple of weekends ago, getting so into this, into the news. And it took me away from, and what am I doing today? Um, you know, you can kind of just live over in Italy, you know, and just read about it. What are their solutions? And it's like, You can only do so much every day of that and still stay sane, you know, still stay on top of it.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: And in
0: terms of the solutions thinking, you know, you've got um, the ventilator problem, you've got testing devices. So I was actually contacted by a um, previous classmate of mine who moved to Hawaii for a few years to do some sort of travel startup thing. And then he moved back to Beijing and he reached out to me totally out of the blue and said, Hey, I have access to FDA approved testing kits, one-step rapid tests, blood tests. Mm -hmm. So it takes like 10, 15 minutes to get your reading positive or negative. I looked at all their material. He attached 18 different documents. It looked extraordinarily official. Um, and I was really excited. He was like, Hey, I can get you 10,000 tests in 10 days. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh my God. Okay. Now we're talking here. So I started to look around. Um, and I looked at the FDA website and I was trying to pull out the FDA approval number that they shared. And I was searching mm-hmm. and I was like, Okay, let me see that it's FDA approved. <laughs> obviously it was not and it was perhaps approved by some other food and drug administration like the one in the philippines or whatever but it wasn't approved in the united states Food and drug administration so obviously you can't use it in the u.s um but it was i got really excited because i was like everybody's talking about testing and blah 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 here's this opportunity Mm -hmm. for me to help out and and then i was continuing my snooping around on the fda website and i found out that um there are tons of fakes. There are tons of fakes fake tests that are flooding the market, fake drugs that are flooding the market from a variety of different places, but obviously, most of them are coming from China. So yeah. um, I, I had a real quick education in like um, kind of how to avoid getting riled up or getting scammed by something that seems too good to be true. And um, mm-hmm. you know, is it, is very is very timely, but it just it just sort of introduced the importance of um, one doing your research and then two not um, not jumping to conclusions in times of crises. Because I went from you know I saw this email and was just fired up. And um, oh yeah, I mean yeah, anybody who said yeah here's a test here's a device that tests for corona. You know, I mean, everybody's complaining about lack of testing. So anyway, it was it was interesting. And then you've got all this, you know, other stuff with the ventilators, and then you've got the drug stuff as well. So, um I mean, you're more well-versed in an eye that there are a variety of different drugs that are perhaps, you know, effective for treating coronavirus. And mm-hmm. I mean, it was kind of funny. We were having a conversation just before this, and you mentioned the two of these malaria drugs and I went into my medicine cabinet to see if I had them and um I have the Proguanil which is um the latest version of malaria medication so I got this when I went to uh, Botswana 2 years ago and um Proguanil is is effective for like 90% of the malaria strains and it only takes one pill um hmm or one or two doses. And uh, you don't have to pre, you know, if you go somewhere like that has a lot of malaria and you take the older drugs, you're supposed to like take them for 10 days before you get there. And oftentimes they make you sick and give you these disgusting symptoms. So we were both kind of like, not going to do that. But (laughs) um, so I, I spent a little bit more money to get that other drug, but I mean, you know, there's, there's all, there's these, drugs that are coming out there's hopefulness for vaccines and again it just gets into this cycle of like what's true and what's not
1: yeah that's the difficult thing that you know on the drug front is you know the biggest case study we have is china and there's a lot of doubt around with the information that you're getting out of china and i think that you know there who knows what's going on in every other country and i think the concern right now that I see on the drug front is governments are shutting down exporting of this type of material. So they're trying to basically hoard whatever they have because, you know, a lot of the drugs we get are from other countries, you know, they're produced in India, China, bank, wherever they are. Um, But right now it's, they, that's where, the money is or that's where the kind of some of the power is and i think you're starting to see these dynamics play out and on the drug front it seems like there's a lot of early evidence that certain treatment can work and you probably heard about it trump was tweeting about this and uh kind of going crazy and now it seems like there's some pretty high confidence it can work but it's getting enough pills for everybody so the two has kind of changed around how are we handling the medications who gets it who doesn't you know it it brings into the fold a lot of other questions that we as a nation have to consider uh and and i think that's the difficulty with a lot of these types of solutions you think a vaccination comes out Well, again producing this type of thing is going to take a entirely set a, a new set of resources um so as you start so, to get down these rabbit holes, you start to get lost. And it's like, well, what can I do to positively impact either the situation or what can I do as an individual to say, is this contributing to my life? You know, how me finding out all this information is what is that going to do? Like, is it going to be positive or negative? in you, you have to. I have to take a step back all the time to say, you know, is this worth me thinking about? And it's been pretty clear. The way that I can help out is to not go anywhere and to, you know, wash my hands, make sure I'm trying to social distance, so I don't transfer it. You know, that's a pretty clear thing. But as we've helped, you know, like it's. That's a well, tough position to be in. We're
0: not used to. It, it brings in such a fascinating discussion about capitalism versus socialism. Because let's say, you know, this, these widely available malaria drugs and, you know, combinations of regular medicines work. Okay, people go out to the pharmacies and grab them. Same exact thing is happening with toilet paper. If people were not inherently selfish, then there would be toilet paper on the shelves. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Because you would acknowledge the fact that, hey, other people need this too, so I'm not going to go out there and destroy the supply. Oh, no, for sure. But yep. that's exactly what's happening. And but socialism is... built. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and socialism is predicated on the fact that people will, when the circumstances are set up correctly, choose the more the the solution that will benefit everybody, which is absolute horseshit. Which is horseshit. <laughs>
1: That's not what. Well, the case about. in point is the the t- the, t- the toilet paper. And exactly. We've talked about this, and we've talked about this. What is the first response for everybody? How am I going to save myself? How can I, I need to be able to white myself before everybody else. You know, it's, I'm going to go buy baskets of this stuff. You see pictures everywhere, obviously. That's been very, very predicated. But that's the response is a kind of self, it's self-first. And that's a great point of socialism requires you to not behave like that.
0: Yeah, that's the entire premise of the of the organization is that you put the state and the needs of the nation before your own. And, and that's why I, I think it's just timely for the discussion that we're having, you know, I mean, this is, this is a re- representative of, you know, the last 20 years, the bashing on capitalism, the more, I mean, the, just the difference between conservatives and, you know, advocates of a more egalitarian society. It's like, I mean, you just, you, you, you are acting like people are not animals. And what this is showing us is people are just effing animals.
1: That's it. Yeah. When I think the, the discussion, I think one of the frustrations, I think that I'm sensing, I think amongst kind of the population, the culture is when people kind of walk around and talk the moral high ground, yet you behave, you don't behave that way. So, like, for example, I heard a story about a very left-leaning, you know, the administration, this selfish capitalism, is they're hoarding money. Yet when this started coming out, this person tried to pre-order a ventilator or pre-order an oxygen machine. They didn't have the standards. And there's only – so it's like that exact behavior. And it's really difficult to listen to people – Putting on others saying you're wrong. It should be like this safe, you know, equal for all. Yet when these things happen, it's your actions or it's people's actions that actually show where our values are. You know, like we've been taught since we've been, you know, probably two years old, actions speak louder than words. You know, you can only say so much, but what what you do, what you go out and buy, what you you know, what you click on the things you, you know, you, you buy with your feet, what activities you support, that's what, that's actually what you're thinking and believing. So I think that's a lot of the frustration. I'm, I feel, I feel some of that too, because you can sense the disequilibrium in it.
0: Yeah. And you know, the, the most, the the thing that let's say this really is a disease of, you know, the older generation it's impacting them more, which we'll talk about inflammation next. But um, as a young person, you brought the question up about how do you contribute and you know how you contribute as a young people of a young person, you don't buy, you don't buy the canned goods. You know what I mean? You don't buy rolls of toilet paper. You don't make a run on the drug thing. You don't, you don't put yourself first. That's, I mean, that's the more you stay inside, you take responsibility for transmission, whatever, limiting social interaction. I mean, but not only in the social interaction space, but also in the consumption and resource space. Like, really, what you should be doing is being like, okay, millennials, young people, y'all are off on your own. I don't give a damn about what you do, but you can't do, you can't buy these drugs, you can't pre-order anything, you can't have access to DME. You can't go into these places with old folks' homes. You can't buy perishable goods. you got to fend for yourself and figure it out while we divert our resources to the people really in need. And what happens is we don't – I haven't heard that. Have you ever heard that message?
1: Oh, no. Of course not.
0: No, and The, hard the thing social is, distancing thing, there's been none of that.
1: No, and I, I, I don't think – you know, the hard thing with all of this is there are young people that are also dying – so there's, you know, there are young people that are being impacted. And I think that's where the message early on said, if you're old, you're at risk. But now there are cases of people that are young that are getting very sick and dying. And so that argument, it's its hard to know how do, how do we support that now? Like it really, the data does it's And that's where I think. You know, people have said like, oh, it's they maybe they have pre-existing conditions. And, you know, it's really hard to morally tell people what to do in this situation. You know, it's really difficult because it's like, what is the message to everybody? There's people that are more immune. There's people that are less immune. You know, I know the UK kind of came out with the herd immunity trial. They were saying, we're going to do herd immunity. And that quickly changed. You know, that quickly yeah. changed and uh, their their prime minister just contracted the virus and he was caught on camera you know a couple weeks ago saying you know i was i was shaking hands with coronavirus patients Everything's going to be okay we're going to be fine now he has the disease you know i'm sure he's going to be he will be kind of you know taken care of so he we're in situation i think for everybody it's hard to know what direction to give people so i, I you know the leaders in the situation it's it's hard to know what the right decision is in every one of these scenarios it's
0: it's not been it's not really been evaluated in our lifetime i mean the only thing we can compare this to is world war 2 and world war 2 was so much more cut and dry because we were fighting nazis and, and the axis powers, which is shooting bullets at another person, really what we're doing in this situation is we're fighting ourselves. We're fighting oh, within yeah. our borders. We're, mm-hmm. we're, cho- we're having to make difficult decisions um, about what to do when scarcity actually does come knocking at your door, because what we've done with our entire lives is insulated ourselves from the idea of scarcity whatsoever. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Survival has not been something we've had to deal with. We've had everything we've never had to fend for food or we've had to, you know, worry about getting killed at, while we're getting water. Um, We haven't had to make these decisions. And so I think it's challenging us to see how do we, how do we react in these situations and what's, what's the appropriate response. Uh, and that's something I think, as a young person or somebody in this quote millennial group, it's really hard to know how do we appropriately contribute to this because you hear the two messages of don't infect the older people, they're at risk. And then you're hearing the message of, like, well, you're, by the way, also at risk. You know, your risk is lower, but it's not as high. And it's like, and there are people that are dying, and there are people that are on vents and ice, you know. A vent in an ICU is not a, that's a really bad situation. You have a, something down your throat breathing. So it's really hard to know, you know, it's like conflicting messages, I think, for people that are our age. Um, and, you know, it's been interesting to see how different leaders have handled that. You know, the governor of Minnesota, the, the president, you know, I think, I think the infectious disease guy, you um, it might, is going to get time person of the year um, after this is Osterholm. all. uh The Fauci guy, the, the, the guy with glasses that's a little older, the infectious disease oh, respondent with Trump. CDC guy? Uh, let me get his name. Anthony, I think is his name. He's the... Uh,
0: The guy who always stands behind Trump in the presidential addresses.
1: Yeah, the smaller guy, yeah. Yeah, I
0: know what you're talking about. I thought you were talking about the Sid Rap guys who have been writing a bunch oh. of articles.
1: <laughs> no, uh, I don't
0: know. But um, so another interesting idea is reporting. So I, I listened on Minnesota Public Radio to a interview with um, a, the female who leads the Russian Federation for Doctors, essentially. It's their version of a union or trade union or whatever you want to say. And um, Russian rates of COVID-19 have been extraordinarily low. Um, They've been saying, oh, we don't really have that big of a deal. However, there have been 15 hospitals in Moscow that have stood up for pneumonia, a sudden onset (laughs) So they have three COVID-19 hospitals and 15 allocated strictly for these pneumonia patients that appear to be very easily infected with this new strain of pneumonia. Um, And I thought it was so funny that the government would care that much to be like, oh, Russians are more fortuitous. We don't have this COVID thing. And obviously they don't have the testing infrastructure to even come up to it. So you're just expecting doctors to diagnose it on what they have available, which, you know, whatever. Um, so it's it's the misinformation thing. I think is is really fascinating, and one of the reasons I think that you, the United States is now um, one of the most I think that we have the most infections at this point.
1: Well, you I mean, that? again, exactly. yeah, Again, it's like the who, most infections. What, who is who is recording what, this? How actually reported infections? Yeah, the Seriously. most honestly reported infections. I mean, totally. how how many documentaries are there about hiding numbers and, you know, okay, think of a place like India. You think of like these these places that have just people living on top of Billion. each other. Billions. You know, in, in parts of China that, you know, I just, the reporting thing, and, I, and that's why it's really hard for me to hear like, we are the most affected country like yeah we our reporting is a little bit it's like data is only as good as how it, what it, what information comes in so yeah that's hard for me and, but
0: the the one thing i will say about why i think um death rates so let's just go categorically down Infection outbreak obviously is going to occur in China. You're going to have rapid transmission because of how close proximity people are to each other. Um, You have a lot of older men dying because they were smokers, respiratory, respiratorily compromised, immunocompromised. You've got a massive old population in in India, or excuse me, Italy, tons of old people. So So their death rates off the charts have an extraordinarily communal um, and uh, very, like, warm and uh, close proximity. Like, they are hug men, kiss each other on the lips, and it's, like, normal, and they touch and hug and whatever. Uh, yeah. And I mean, like, straight men kiss each other on the lips, and it's normal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and um, as a greeting. And so, and, you know, they didn't heed the initial warnings. So rapid transmission, tons of people get it. Overwhelmed um, hospital capacity, super old population powder keg right pretty much and i think and I think the u s is at a very interesting state because of the rates of inflammation in our society mm-hmm. um, i I think inflammation can be looked at as another way. Um, another immunocompromising element. And I think because of the modern American diet, largely, um, yeah. and the sedentary way of our lives, cars everywhere, nobody's walking, um, we're sitting at desks or watching TV or watching sports. I think that is a uh, an additional and unique powder keg, which is going to cause... Um, corona to hit this population in perhaps a way that hasn't really been good in mexico because mexico is technically the most obese nation in the world and um it'd be very fast it'll be very fascinating to see what the ultimate impacts are on mexico because you know i view them as um a very similar kind of nation perhaps not as burdened by the industrial farming as the United States has been, but um, very much they have the obesity thing similar to our population so I I, I, it remains to be seen yet obviously you know what happens to them.
1: Yeah and I think it's interesting for you as I was reading a lot about you know we what we've done is looked at Italy as a whole and somebody took a Further look into the cities of Italy and what is happening within those, and there's certain cities that had a massively different, like 30x different death rate. And what they attributed that to is they said, "I think it's Milan, or I, I think Milan had the highest uh, rate of death rate." And then there's another large city with six million people that was 30 times less. So what they were saying mm. is these are this really impacts poorer communities and communities that don't have the support and they're you know living in apartment buildings next to each other and they don't have so they they were saying that you know we're looking at this on a very grand scale around oh my gosh new york as a state is doing horrible it's like well there's specific pockets of every area that are really doing poorly um, and it's not obviously it's not in areas where they have the resources or the the capabilities and when you they look at italy they're like everybody's talking about italy 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 but it's very specific to a specific region in italy um and so i think you know as yeah northern italy and as we've we also have seen in the u.s over the last couple days i think new orleans is starting to really ramp up and people are very concerned with that i think there are two factors yeah i think because they said their death rate is kind of abnormally high and i think uh mardi gras or the 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 mardi gras celebration was in february and there were millions of people outside so that and then you know the population there is more obese than it is and other parts of the
0: poor access to healthy
1: foods. Yep. And I think when we talked about inflammation, uh, that's something that we definitely in the United States have uh, a lot Babe. to learn about inflammation. Mm-hmm. We have a lot to learn. I think it starts with the diet uh, In and it's funny because now a lot more information is coming out about what foods should you eat that aren't, going to cause inflammation and what do you know it's very simple fruits vegetables nuts uh, pretty simple foods everything that we don't everything on the outside of the grocery store not on the inside so you know I think that's the difficult thing is when you see a, a disease that's targeting specific part of the diet and we don't know enough about this yet obviously but I think this is the theory and I think uh, inflammation definitely has been kind of identified as one of the main causes uh when I think the point that you brought up was just maybe two or three weeks ago the nurse that said eat eat well get outside you know do a lot of these blocking and tackling sleep well those are the things that we need to be doing uh as opposed to stockpiling TP. So kind of circling back to our conversation we had, it goes back to this inflammation as kind of a big driver. So I think this is definitely a challenge to the American diet.
0: I know there's a lot of time left in this. We're still, I mean, I don't know. I keep saying we're in the front end of this because I do believe Minnesota transmission rates have still not been exponential you know which is fantastic yeah. they've been um you know increasing by 150 to 100 cases per day typically um mm-hmm. which
1: pretty I don't know pretty consistently not not like 150 it's not rampant, 300 but yeah which exactly the new cases is something i like that is how you could see that as an indicator of are people, social distancing or not. That's very back of the napkin, obviously that's directionally, but you know, I'm sure there'll be some massive study at the end of this to uh, kind of show everybody and all these predictions or or assumptions we're making are going to be put to test. Well, hell yeah. Wait until they get access to
0: take Apple's location data and Google's location data and map the location of every human being in the country and then map every single confirmed case and then just basically be like there is a prob there was there's a ninety nine percent probability of transition transmission in this environment for this patient. Like it's gonna be nuts what you can do
1: ultimately mm-hmm. yeah. with the
0: amount of information that's out there today.
1: One hundred percent. in it you know is that's going to be kind of the next thing is for public good what information are we going to be able to use for the cell phones and and i think uh we were on a text message chain uh and somebody texted and said they're looking location data and showing who is social distancing based on the movement patterns of your cell phone data so if you're on google maps there's this company that has backdoor access to all this information, uh, apparently de-identified. Um, but they were giving grades of counties within every state. Salesforce so Square, Minnesota. Uh, no, I didn't. I don't think it. I don't know if that was the company that actually did. That wasn't the company that did the analysis. I don't know where they were getting the data. Um, I didn't read enough into it, but what they did is they gave grades to states on are they following social distancing policy, and they went into specific counties. So what counties in Minneapolis, Minnesota, St. Paul, wherever they are, were you following social distancing rules based on how how much activity was there on this dashboard? And Minnesota got an A. Um, what Another do you know? boon
0: for flyover country.
1: Yeah, there we go. There wasn't a lot of A's, uh, but some of the – it's pretty ironic, though, because some of the F's were Wyoming, places that don't have a lot of cases, Montana, Wyoming, and that's where a lot of movement was still happening. Uh, but, they, but I feel like you've know, you got
0: to cross state lines in order to do stuff there. You know what I mean? you got go oh, sure to go very long ways to go anywhere, so you don't have the access to resources like we do here typically within – you know, five minutes of a drive, you can probably get almost whatever you need, certainly in the metro area. Um, And in the greater state, it's not as bad either.
1: No, and also (laughs) their walks are going to be a lot longer than ours. (laughs) Yeah. Who knows knows if they're, what's going on um, in a more metropolitan, but it was interesting because it wasn't like big cities. There was less movement. There was often more movement. Like Illinois had a really bad grade. And uh, so... That was driven by kind of a Chicagoland area.
0: Sure. Hmm.
1: Yeah. Go. I mean,
0: there's a lot out there. It's a big learning. I don't, I'm, uh, I apologize if I've riled anyone up because I've riled myself up, but I feel like I've exhausted my, uh, I've exhausted my energy level on this. So I'm ready to, <laughs> I'm ready to turn the page, uh, unplug for a bit. I don't know tune out. Yeah. You think?
1: How 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 yeah, I think that's a good idea. Um, I, I would like to say I think, you know, this is the same thing as like honoring the troops, but I think it does show that healthcare workers on the front line are truly doing us a service and the way they're reacting and responding and going into work, I think that's very admirable and I really appreciate people for doing that. You know, getting I was talking to an ICU nurse the other day, and she was fairly worked up, but she was going into her job, and and it's just really great to see people stepping up and putting their lives at risk. And you know, the NFL honors the troops all the time. I just I hope we as a community honor these people, these clinicians, these providers, grocery store clerks, people that are actually you know they're doing a lot of the they're at more risk more than people that are doing these zoom meetings.
0: (laughs) Yep, definitely recognize our privilege in this situation. So I appreciate you calling out all of the people who are putting themselves in danger because there is a significant amount of uh, the population that is willingly doing that. And we are very gracious for, for those people.
1: Mm Yeah. And I think you're right. Uh, It is time to take a break and how how are how are you finding good ways to take breaks
0: getting outside mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm going for runs I'm going for walks uh, I'm trying to stay away from people in terms of you know keeping my distance yeah. and whatever but it's like I was out for a run yesterday and there was a gentleman who was walking on the street and he just
1: <laughs>
0: coughed really loudly and both me and this other guy who were heading in that general direction just took a little bit of a wider berth. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you are I'm more aware not, of these things. You definitely,
0: are. yeah. Uh, it makes you think twice. Um, so that's what helps me. Obviously, I'm not like you know doing the social party stuff and just I don't know. I've been thinking about getting an Xbox. That's that's that, I'm in other words, I'm at the end of my rope.
1: Yeah, that's that's a pretty long ways for you to come. And I think we just got another two weeks order from the governor on this. And I read an article we talked about talking about golf and how some states are offering it and some states aren't. And it's a pretty big discussion. And there's specifically in our state, there is a uh, group that's trying to lobby for some access to golf courses. And so that would be huge, yep, they're just saying this is a this is a so like a social distance activity, and you can set it up and you know book your tea time online. you know there's special ways you can have the cup just be a circle, but they were saying this you know, let's maybe reinforce some of these activities for people to get outside uh so that would be a Absolutely. big one for the golf industry. I mean, I I will say, I was on a golf course yesterday with my dog, and we were running around, chipping around, and having a a big old time. So it was a lot of fun.
0: Mm. Yeah, I would be a big advocate of that. Um, I mean, it's getting to be biking season as well, you know. So um, mm-hmm. doing that as much as I can. But yeah, we'll we'll take it in stride as we do.
1: Yep, but take Kevin we weather's be getting
0: today. better. Yeah, um the weather is turning a bit, so we'll see uh we'll see, we'll see how it shakes out. We'll see where our heads at. As you can tell, we've got a little bit of cabin fever fire in our bellies, which I think we just spouted off on. So mm-hmm. hopefully it gave the audience an equally as satisfying uh sort of relief. Uh but uh we'll be back and you can catch us here back kicking it here in the rumpus room.